Charlie Hill here. I don't know, some of you may remember me uh, from back in the day. Couldn't be more excited to be with you guys this weekend. I love you all. And uh, uh, what, a, what an honor it is for having, to have Daniel ask me to come speak. And so I'm doing it here from Steamboat Christian Center, my new digs. And I'll be there uh, on the weekend uh, lawn on Sunday. Got something for you here that I think will be profound. If you're a person who uh, you hear us use this language all the time about um, hearing from God, and you're reading the Bible how people are hearing from God, and if you're a, a, a Jesus follower, you're supposed to be hearing his voice. And a lot of us might be thinking, if I just heard his voice, I would do it, but I don't hear it very often. And I'm not sure it's him. Is it really him, or is it something else? And some of you, I've asked the question, tell me about how you hear God. I've heard God three times in my life. Well, tell me about it. It was this one time, and it was this time, and it was this time. And the rest of the time, I haven't really heard too much. And you're thinking, other people seem to hear all the time, and I don't hear much. Or it's been a long time since I've really heard something from God. And uh, it can be even discouraging. Yeah. I'm going to share one verse with you that I think may give you some help on that. You may feel like your prayers are like uh, hitting the ceiling or they're going to voicemail and you're wondering if God is on the other line. And if you just pick up, well, I know you're God and you've got a lot of people to listen to, but I hope you get around to your messages sometime soon because I'm leaving you a bunch and I'm not hearing much back. I think um, I've got something for you that could be encouraging to you. That'll be a help. I also think this one verse I'm going to share with you will be an encouragement to you and help redirect maybe some misconceptions you've got around God about what he's like uh, and, and how maybe you've become frustrated or angry or discouraged or feel ashamed even. Um, I think uh, we might be able to clear some of that up with the truth that is in this one verse I'm going to share you, with you that uh, where I got that hashtag, don't tell me, show me. So uh, that comes, I'm going to talk to you from John. This verse is in John. And I started uh, in this John project back in January. I thought what I needed to do was read Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. I need to keep him the main thing. And I need to return back and spend some time focusing on Jesus. So I was going to study the, and have been studying the Gospel of John all the way through this year. It's really fun when you're in January on that. And uh, uh, some of the truths about uh, the flesh came and dwelt among us and all of these things that Jesus did. But then you start getting into February and March, chapter four, five, chapter six, chapter seven, and it gets hard. And Jesus is actually saying a bunch of hard things, difficult things, and doing difficult things. And it turns into a big discussion and debate between uh, the religious leaders who are trying to figure out what they're going to do with Jesus and, uh, and Jesus and these discussions that they're having. That's the context of chapter 8, which I'm going to share this verse from. I get to chapter 8 in about May, and I'm, I'm reading through this um, art, uh, argument, or it's like they're in a court of law, and they're trying to pin Jesus down, and they're going back and forth. And Jesus makes this statement, which I want to leave with you today in John 8, 38. He says, I'm telling you what I see in the Father's presence. 
you do what you hear from your Father. I'm telling you what I see in the Father's presence, and you do what you hear from your Father. Okay, I know what you're thinking, uh, uh, or at least kind of how I thought when I originally encountered a lot of these verses around chapter 8, and including this one, was that's not one you really want to camp on. If you only had one verse you were going to share, Charlie, uh, wouldn't it be something that was a little easier or a little more impactful than that? Why are you going to tweet, uh, and how is that a life lesson for this season um, uh, with that verse? I, uh, I'm only telling you what I see, uh, the fa- Father in his presence, and you do what you hear from your Father. Well, let me unpack that because it's there. There's a truth there that's powerful. And let's do it backwards. Let's go through the verse in reverse order. He says, you do what you hear from your father. The context of this verse is about fathers. And uh, who's got the right father and who the real father is? That's what this is about. Now, these guys who are these religious leaders, they are Jews and Pharisees, and they believe that uh, they have got the right father, and that uh, they would say, and it's even in the chapter here, uh, that our father is Abraham. And Jesus says, really, if your father was Abraham, you would do what Abraham said, and uh, Abraham wouldn't be trying to kill me. Yeah, their father is Abraham. Well, everybody in the Old Testament uh, after Abraham would have said that because God used Abraham to start the nation of Israel, which was supposed to be a blessing to all peoples, and that they were a part of that. And so they looked back to their lineage and where it all came from, and they said, Father Abraham. And if they understood anything about Father God, they would say that he is the father of the nation because he started the nation. That's our father. Jesus is saying, you listen to your father, you hear from your father, but the thing is, Jesus is saying something different. Abraham hasn't said anything for 1,800 years. He's dead. How are we listening to that father? I would take you all the way back to the, uh, uh, the original narrative of uh, Adam and Eve and this relationship that they had with God, they were told, you can do anything, you can have anything, you can go anywhere. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because you'll surely die. That is so significant. They took matters into their own hands, believed, instead of believing uh, what God had told them, Uh, They believed uh, another conversation they were having about God, if you remember that message from a year ago, a year and a half ago. And they took matters into their own hands. Why would a good God tell us we couldn't have something? And so they ate of that. And the significant thing is it says that what, what was the result? The knowledge of good and evil. That wasn't even a discussion when they walked with God before. But as soon as they take that on, take matters into their own hands, they're ashamed and they try and cover up. They're isolated. They try and hide. 
They are now putting things in the dark instead of in the light. And they primarily now are going to be focused on the discussion around what is evil and what is good. Trying to be on the side of good instead of on the side of evil. And always on a sliding scale, never being able to figure that out. Hmm. How has that played out? Jesus is encountering some guys, and what they're doing is they're saying, we are right, and we are on the right side of righteous because we are God's people, and we know what's right, and we're evaluating you and judging you and trying to decide whether you're in or you're out or you're right or you're wrong, even to the degree that if we decide that you're wrong, we'll kill you. That is coming from the original problem all the way back there that's just playing out in that day, in that way. And they are listening to the same voice that Adam and Eve listened to back then. You can eat that and you won't die. Let's talk about what's right and what's wrong. Listen to me on this and I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. And I'll keep telling everybody after you uh, to get them in the discussion about it. Because I want you to be concerned about the right and wrong, the good and the evil. Jesus is saying, you're listening to that voice. Matter of fact, he says in a couple of verses later in John chapter 8, he's the father of lies. What he's telling you is not true. And you are acting on something that's a lie. Huh. But you don't think you're acting on something that's a lie because you're listening to a voice that says you're right. Man, the voice inside your head might not be yours, the one that says you need to be right about this. You need to find out what's right. You need to protest what's for what is right. You need to be on the right side of this. Make sure you're not on the wrong side of this. The problem with this is, and the problem with that voice is, is that, Yes, it's like a father. I'll tell you who you are based on whether you're right or wrong or whether you're obedient to what I have told you. And if you're obedient to what I have told you, then you'll know that you're okay. Only problem is, I'm going to tell you something else after that. It's going to be a sliding scale. And either you'll say to yourself, we've arrived, and now we're going to hold on to that and judge everybody else based on that, or you're going to always be trying to answer those inside questions with your performance, that voice. Oh, I would challenge that that discussion that happened all the way back then in that garden that's happening right here in John chapter 8 with Jesus and these leaders is happening right now in our day and in this way telling you that you need to be on the right side. You need to think the right things. You need to perform correctly. If you don't believe this is true, just go to any uh, evening news show, and you're going to hear people talk about how other people are wrong and how they're right. It doesn't matter what side, because this father doesn't care what side you're on. He just wants you to fight for it. It's like a YouTube, YouTube algorithm where let's say you watch something that's of interest to you, especially something political or something moral. What's going to happen over on the right side of, of your screen? More options 
are going to come up. They've written the algorithm so that uh, you'll get more opportunities. But it's not just opportunities of the same guy. It'll be opportunities of something like it, but even more so. So that you can confirm uh, uh, your rightness here by this. And what will happen is uh, confirmation bias will take you from this place following that change to, to really extreme things so that in the end, you are calling something right that couldn't even be more wrong. And isn't it interesting how you can be so wrong and right at the same time and right and wrong at the same time? And that's the discussion that this father wants you to have. That's the discussion that the father of lies wants you to have. I saw this happen right in front of my eyes a number of years ago. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses used to come to my house and uh, emphasis on used to. And... Uh, uh, there's always a, a veteran, an older person who's been doing it a long time, and a, and a, and a beginner. And they would come, and, and eventually I would say, hey, look, you know, we're going to talk, and you're going to talk, and eventually we're going to talk about who Jesus is, and we're going to disagree on that. And then um, they would leave. Well, one pair kept coming back, and we kept talking. And, and I realized that I... They, were, they weren't saying anything compelling that I was going to believe what they were going to believe, and I apparently wasn't saying anything compelling in a way that they were going to believe what I was saying. They were locked and loaded. Maybe I was locked and loaded. It occurred to me, you know what we ought to do? Next time they come, I'm just going to ask them if it's okay to pray. Let's pray together and ask God to show us the truth. So they come, and I ask the beginner, and I say, you know, I'm probably not going to believe what you're believing doesn't look like you're going to believe what I'm believing. What if we, one of them's true and one of them isn't, I'm thinking. And so I said, let's pray about it and ask God to show us. She checks off with the, the veteran and the veteran says, okay. So I put my head down and I say, Father, these guys think they're right and I think I'm right. and We're just going to come before you and we ask you to show us what is, and this lady blows up in front of me, the veteran. She gets up and she goes, you're not talking to my father. Man, I, I mean, something was going on. I, I thought her head was going to spin like from like the exorcist or something, you know. And it was scary. You're not talking to my father. And she turns and says, I don't see you going door to door. I don't see you doing this and doing that and all this list of stuff that she was doing. Right when I prayed, show us. It was really interesting. And uh, I thought, boy, I'm not talking to her father. Her father is telling her all the stuff she's supposed to do. And if she does all of that stuff, then I guess she's going to have approval. That's the father of lies. That's a lie. Because you're never going to get approved. You're never going to do good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to get those questions answered. Jesus offers a completely different thing in this verse. He says, you do what you hear from your father. This is about fathers. And I'm telling you, what I see in the father's presence. One dad is going to tell you what to do. Don't tell me. The other dad is going to show you what to do. Why? One dad has given you a transaction. If you'll do this, you get this. The other dad is giving you an invitation. That's why he shows you what he's doing. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said earlier in John, 
He says, I only do what I see my father doing. Why does he only do what he sees his father doing, apparently in his presence? Why does he only do that? Does he do it so that he can get the commands of what he's supposed to do and then go do it so that his father will be pleased with what he's doing? Oh, it's better than that. It's better than that. He does what he sees his father doing so that he can be with his father in the midst of what his father is doing. It's an invitation to join him. It's a daily invitation to join him. Now, Jesus had this rhythm, and it was a beautiful rhythm where he would go uh, be by himself, go up on a lake or go out on the lake or not up on a lake, out on a lake and up on a mountain, time with God. And I guess during that time, he would get a visual picture in his mind or his heart about what God is doing. And they would walk down into the people and uh, participate that. Some of the times, I think he walked with the people and saw what God was doing. And in his mind, in his imagination, he could see and he would join it and do it. I'll give you an example. So uh, he was at the temple a lot of times. He's at the temple when he's having this discussion with these guys, and he'd been there for a couple days. He had walked past the pool of Bethsaida a number of times. And by that pool was a guy who was uh, uh, crippled, and the deal was uh, they believed that if the pool stirred, maybe it happened this way, I don't know. If the pool stirred, uh, whoever got in it first would have healing uh, it would have healing components to it, and they would be healed. So one day, Jesus is walking by. He sees this guy, and he stops, and he says, what do you want? And the guy uh, probably was like, uh, what do you mean, what do I want? And he says, "If I, when the pool stirs, and it only stirs every so often, there's nobody to help me in, and I'm crippled, and I can't get in there in time. And somebody always gets in there before me, and when they get in there before me, they get healed. And I've been here for years. He'd been there for decades. Jesus says, what do you want? Jesus says, let's just circumvent that pool. Why don't you stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? And the guy does that. How many times, how many days do you think Jesus walked past that guy? and didn't do this. Why didn't he do it before? I think there's a beautiful truth in that. There's a beautiful truth because on that day, it was the day where he saw what his father was doing and he stepped into it. Jesus doesn't follow his father just so his father will be pleased because because he's so obedient. It's not about obedience. It's about I get to do what my father's doing, and how much fun is it to step into it and tell a guy, stand up, take your mat, and walk. Oh, it couldn't be better. And Jesus actually didn't do anything on earth that you and I couldn't do. Matter of fact, he, did, he was fully God. John tells us that. And he was fully man. But he never played the God card in a way that you and I uh, can't live out from where we're at in our humanness. We saw that he was human, and he walked, and the things he does that are miraculous, the things he does that seem to be tight with his father, the things he gets from his father's presence when he's in his father's presence, that's how you and I do it. That's why he does it that way. That's why he's telling you that, and that's why what he's saying is an invitation for you. 
The bad dad says, I'll tell you. Don't tell me. Show me. Because the good dad will show you. He'll put it on display for you. That's how Jesus rolled. And that's how the offer for you to roll is with this good father instead of the bad father. And I believe it's like that. And I believe it's in the small things uh, if you'll have eyes to see it. You know, um, Paul talks about in Ephesians, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened so that you can see all of the riches that you have, so that you can see the glory of God and you can move in it. He says in Romans that the creation testifies to the glory of God. All you got to do is get out there. And if you have eyes to see it, that ought to be your prayer. Not tell me, tell me, I got to hear something from you because I'm really listening. Show me. Let me have eyes to see. Because that's going on all the time. Sometimes he tells you, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes there's dry times when he's speaking and sometimes uh, there's more. Sometimes you might have only heard him three times. But every day, all day, if you have eyes to see, you will see. And I'm telling you, the more you see, the better you'll hear. That's beautiful. It happened to me just two days ago. I was, uh, uh, Troy uh, came and said, you know, I'd like you to do your message this week instead of next week because next week is perfect timing for the message I, I'd like to give then for uh, where, what we're doing with SEC. And he told me about it. I said, yeah, that is perfect timing. I'll do it. The only problem is, I didn't tell him this, the only problem is I, I'm under the gun because I had planned other stuff. And I said, man, i got to clear my schedule. I'm going to go up to my cabin. I'm going to gather everything, and I'm going to get after this. Okay? So I, uh, uh, I head up to my cabin. This was on Tuesday and um, morning. And I, I get there all around. It's mid-afternoon now, and, and I'm behind, and I'm feeling the pressure. And I got, man, i got to get some stuff done here. Um, so that I can do this really well, I hope. And I set everything out on the table. I start to look at my all the things I've captured over the last couple months, and I hear somebody walking up the stairs uh, out on our, our front deck at the cabin. I'm like, oh. And I look, and it's Bob, our neighbor. Bob's an old guy who's been up there a long time, friend of my dad's, and he's on my deck, and I'm thinking, I got it. Bob's a great guy, but I got to get rid of Bob. And that's not hard for me to do. I would just go say, hey, Bob, man, I'm in the middle of something. I got to work. And uh, I need my alone time up uh, up here. I'll, I'll call you when I come back. Can you, get, can you get lost? That's not hard for me to say. And right as I'm getting ready to say, Bob, get off my deck. I'm doing a message on... Seeing God, I wonder if I should look for something here. I need to hesitate and just see if there's something. So I say, hey, Bob, how are you? Charlie, how you doing? It's good to see you. Yeah, I'm just on your deck. I like it here. Been working out on the golf course. We have a golf course, a little golf course thing that Bob likes to, to work on. Well, and then he keeps talking. He goes, yeah, I love your deck. I sat so many times here with your dad. We'd golf, and then he was a good friend of my dad's. My dad's been gone for about 11 years, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and Bob has missed him. I've missed him, obviously, too, but Bob's missed him, and he's telling me about that. We used to sit on the deck and have a cold beer after playing golf and eat peanuts and throw the shells off the deck. Oh, those were good times, and I'm thinking, got to go with this. 
Bob, do you want a cold beer? He goes, oh, I'd love a cold beer. So I go to the, the cooler or the fridge, and I get him out a cold beer. I can't have one because of my stomach. So I get my Arnold Palmer, and he sits down in the chair on the deck, and he crosses his legs, and he says, oh, that's so refreshing. You know, me and your dad had so much fun. You know, there were no trees here when, when he built this, and I'm thinking, you know, I built it with him. So actually, I remember planting some of these trees. Yeah, your dad would plant trees, and he would tell me, you know, trees are for the next generation. And I guess that's you, Charlie, sitting here on the deck enjoying these trees. I like to come over. He told me, I like to come over here, Charlie, and think about those fun times I had with your dad. You're a lucky guy to have had a dad like him. I'm thinking, yeah, I am lucky to have a dad like him. It's starting to come to me. And, uh, and he goes, you know, uh, we all have decks over uh, here. I got, I got a nice deck over at my house over there. But I like to come over to your deck because this view right here of the lake and of the mountain and everything is perfect, actually. It's the most peaceful place around here. And so when you guys aren't here, sometimes I'll even bring my own beer and peanuts and I'll sit on your deck and, and just enjoy how peaceful it is. Bob had completely changed the pace of my afternoon, and I was going to give him three minutes, and we'd sat there for 45 minutes, and I realized that God had showed me something, where I've come from, who I am, and enjoying uh, one of the most peaceful places. Every major decision I've made in my life has been sitting on that deck, my adult life, on that deck, in that peaceful place, watching and looking. Oh, give me that. It's in the day-to-day distractions. If you'll see, isn't it amazing how you can see the same thing with two different eyes? How one person can see something and another person can see the same thing. One person sees something that's very discouraging or something that's a distraction or something that they got to deal with, and another person sees what God is doing as an invitation that they get to participate in. Oh, you want a good visual? Last Sunday... We had a baptismal service, and we had to do it different. People had to sign up. And uh, uh, Troy actually said to me, you know, we got this covered. Uh, I know you got a lot to do, and if you you don't want to show, no worries. I got to thinking about it, and I thought, if you're ever going to go to anything, you want to be at a baptismal service because what you see there is so important. So I had the opportunity to mostly sit back and watch in this beautiful setting the water drifting by, watching people go down into the water. One gal who's had brain surgery just recently, and her, she has no hair, she stands there and she says, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to follow him. Another person walks down in there and says, I've been in my shameful ways, and I want to be clean. And then Troy says, oh, I want you to imagine Everything that you needed cleansed from, floating down that river, and you walking out of here clean. No wonder we get this picture of baptism as something that we ought to see so that we can see what God has done on the inside. It's a visual picture. You want to see something encouraging? See how God is changing people's lives. Whether it's just Bob on your deck during the day or 
Something like that. It's profound. Now, the bad dad, he is going to tell you what you're supposed to do. And if you do it, you'll have my approval. The good dad is going to show you. The bad dad is going to tell you because he can't show you. Because if he showed you as the father of lies, you would see it as a lie. But instead, he's going to keep who he is and what he's doing in the darkness instead of in the light. Because if you saw it, you knew you were being deceived and you wouldn't do it. He can't do that, so he has to tell you. Hmm, do as I say, not as I do. No, don't tell me. Show me. That's what the good dad does. He shows you. And sometimes it'll be just in the day-to-day because he's showing you stuff all the time. And sometimes it'll be really big and really profound. But I think the more you see, the better you hear. And the more you see, the more you'll see. Now, uh, if you're from the orchard and you're watching this, you've heard me uh, reference this event before. And... uh, I wish I'd have saved it till now because it applies to now better than when I would have used it a couple years ago. So give me some grace on this and let me do it again. And uh, uh, Because when I think about um, God showing you things that are profound, this comes to my mind in such a strong way. We were uh, back in Glenwood, um, uh, Starbucks, uh, me and my friend Doug Stewart, uh, we would meet there every Thursday uh, before I moved here to Steamboat, and uh, Thursday morning, and we would talk. We would talk about God. We'd talk about our families. We'd talk about church. We'd talk about work. And uh, uh, one time we're talking, sitting at a round table there, and Doug says, wait a minute. I think the, this guy just walked out, by the way. And he walked out, and he had a, uh, a mug in his hand. And, and, and Doug said, I think that guy just stole that mug. And uh, I said, you're kidding me. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He just walked over, picked it up, and walked out. And he was walking through the parking lot, getting to the other end of the parking lot. Well, maybe I, maybe I should go get him. Maybe I should find him and, and ask him, did you steal that mug? Hey, man, you shouldn't steal that mug or something. And uh, he goes, you think? And I go, no, I don't think that, actually. You know what? Uh, I'm not the uh, Starbucks police, and and uh, it didn't cost me anything. It's a Starbucks deal, right? Well, no, I can't say that. I just said that out loud. Certainly, i got to go get the guy. I've done the wrong thing now. I'm participating in the guy's deal. And so I, I get up to move, and he's gone. I can't find him, and I think, ugh, that was just doesn't feel good. That feels ucky. Well, then uh, uh, Doug had to go to work, and he left, and I sat there thinking about it. I'm kind of complicit because I knew what was something I should have done and didn't do it. So I went over to the shelf, and I picked up a mug that was exactly like the one that uh, the guy took. And then I walked over to the cashier, and I said, you know, um, uh, this mug right here, there was a guy about 10 minutes ago who walked out, and st- I believe he stole this mug from me, and they're pretty expensive, uh, 25 bucks or something. And she goes, really? I go, yeah, I know. And, and uh, I, I didn't stop him. I feel like I should have. So what I want to do is I want to pay for this mug, and then I'll put it back on the shelf. So, oh, no, you don't have to do that. We, uh, it happens all the time. They go, no, I think I should do that. And so she goes, okay. So I pay, and I take the mug, and I put it back on the shelf where it was, and I go sit down, and I'm thinking about this, 
And I, I, I get this very clear thought, what do you see here? What do you see here? In today's language with this verse, what am I showing you? But I heard, what do you see? And then I, I felt this impression, pay attention, pay attention. So I just sat there in Starbucks for a minute, for a couple minutes. I don't even know how long, for a while. And I thought about it. I started to think about the guy. And I started to picture in my mind, in my imagination, what this uh, guy is doing and what he's going to do with that mug. And I pictured him with friends, a group of friends who he's having coffee with, and they turn and say, that's a cool mug you got there. Yeah, I got this at Starbucks. Oh, why they're so expensive. Why'd you get one of those? Yeah, well, you know, I've been using those paper cups so much, and I just decided it'd be better to save the environment. Uh, and plus, um, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And he covers up what he had done with that mug so that they would think that he bought that mug and that he was a good guy even though he bought that mug, that he stole that mug, didn't buy that mug. Yeah. Every time he went back to Starbucks and he got that filled up, he had to make them think that he had originally purchased that mug. He had to keep the lie going. Somebody's telling him, some voice, some father's telling him that that's how it works. And the reality is, I'm thinking this through, if you took that mug what about all the other stuff that you're having to manage all the time to keep up the appearance that you didn't do what you did do? Or maybe he's with this other group of friends, friends that do the kind of stuff that he does, and they said, where'd you get that mug? And he says, you know what? These mugs are so easy to take. You just walk over. Nobody can really stop you. As a matter of fact, there was two guys there who saw me do it, and I just picked it up and walked out. What are they going to do, come after me? Apparently not. I'm a player. And it wasn't just that one mug. I'm envisioning this guy telling his friends it's all the other things that he gets away with. Oh, it could be either side of that thing. I'm thinking about it. What am I seeing here? What am I seeing here? You know, that guy's walking around with a mug and doesn't actually know that he owns that mug. That that mug actually is his. He doesn't have to make people think that he paid for it. Why? He doesn't have to make people think He's gotten away with it. Why? Because it's already paid for. And he doesn't have to get away with it because it's his. Pay attention, Charlie. What are you seeing here? Don't tell me. Show me. What am I showing you here? This is what your good father has done for you. This is what Jesus has done for you. Yeah, you may have done all this stuff, but it's paid for. I paid for it. You don't have to get away with it because I've taken care of it. 
look what I'm showing you. There's people walking all around, and it's paid for. They just don't know it. A good dad didn't just tell them that. A good dad showed them that. And that's what Jesus did. He sent his son, and that's what Jesus did. They killed him, and he paid for it so that you could know your good father. And he wouldn't just be a father from the past, a father from the nation. He's a father that you can know, that you can have access to. That's what I'm showing you. Oh, God, you can show me that stuff anytime. I want to see that. I think the more you see on the small day-to-day stuff, the more likely you're able to see some of those biggies, those profound things. Because the more you see, the more you see, and the more you see, the more you hear. That's why this is an answer to maybe not hearing, because you can see all the time. It's always good. There's one more nugget. There's one more truth that's so beautiful in this short little verse, this verse that says, I'm telling you what I see in the Father's presence. You do what you hear from your, your, from your Father. Did you see the distinction? Jesus says the Father, and he says your Father. These guys are saying, our father is the right one, and you don't have the right father. You, And so we're going to judge you from the fact that we got the right father. You would expect Jesus to turn and say something different than the. He's, you'd expect him to say, you think you hear from your father, but you should hear from my father. He says, the father. Because what he's talking about is playing out in the very verse and discussion that he's talking about. If you can see it, God will show it to you. He says the instead of your. You think it's exclusive. I am showing you the father, which can be your father because he's really your father. And you don't have to listen to lies anymore. You can come into the light, see what he's doing. This is an invitation right here. There's an invitation just by the way that Jesus says the father. It's not exclusive. I'm giving him to you. That's good news. Oh, that's good news. Whatever you're worried about, once you start seeing your heavenly father around you and an opportunity to join him, you don't have to worry so much. You don't have to hit that panic button. It's going to be all right. and You'll be okay. That's the offer. All I'm saying, hashtag, don't tell me, show me. Ask God to show you because that's what he wants to do. And he'll show you, and nothing will be the same. It'll be relational, it'll be an invitation, and it'll be fun. Open the eyes of your heart. Let that prayer, I take 30 days and say, God, I want to see you every day. I want to see you every day. And I'll join you. Can't wait. Let me pray for you on that. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a present God, that your presence is everywhere, and then if we look, we'll see. Open the eyes of our heart, and I pray that those of us here, Lord, who uh, have been listening to lies, will turn and say, I don't want to listen to that father anymore. That's been a, he's been a taskmaster. It's too hard. And that you will open up all that you're doing in such profound ways that we'll never be the same. 
and we'll join you in that. Forgive us for debating about right and wrong and trying to be on the right side and figuring out who's on the wrong side and standing up for our rights. Forgive us for that. Thank you for the invitation to stop that. Let that all float down the river. And right now, just join you in what you're doing today. As a matter of fact, I pray that before this day is over, we would see you on that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.